Hi, this is Paul Hansen, your host. You're listening to the ninth edition of Boston Radio, and this is the second segment. We're talking to the guitarist Michael Ward, who is in the Wallflowers and many other bands, and he's on the line from his house in the beautiful Hollywood Hills. So let's pick up where we left off with Michael Ward. Hey, Michael, since we're talking about gear, is there any favorite gear you've used over the years that you want to tell us about? Yeah, well, um, the Demeters have been a real mainstay for me. I've got about four or five different configurations of them. They're all heads, and I use various cabinets, but I've got mm-hmm. some 75 waters and 100 waters and whatever. And that's, I use the 100 waters with Ben now with a, a Demeter 212 cabinet. So Ben Harper. You get a lot, of, a lot of headroom, a lot of you know power amp kind of thing, just driving two speakers, mm-hmm. and it, it, it breaks up pretty, pretty cool. But when I was in the Wallflowers, it was a lot more tricky because mm-hmm. in that band, I almost had to play against a lot of my instincts because they were like a real classic. It was yeah. more of like a Vox AC30 and Telecasters and, and that kind of thing, you know, and I was yeah. such a just Gibson rocking humbucker kind of guy. Yeah. So I had to, the Wallflowers was interesting because we had a lot of big, big success, but there was a lot of almost second-guessing, like, hmm, okay, I guess I should approach this this way, and maybe I should go get this kind of guitar and uh-huh. mix it with this amp, and really a lot of experimenting, you know. Your experience with the whoever was producing, was that positive experience? It was. See, when I, that big Wallflowers record, Bringing Down the Horse, um, uh-huh. they called me just as a session guy, and it was the producer T-Bone Burnett, and um, he's wow, a very yeah. famous producer and soundtrack guy and he played guitar in bob dylan's band and that rolling thunder review and all kinds of uh-huh. he's a great musician and so, so his people called me to, to come and play the session and what's really funny and i love to tell this story because uh-huh. it, it still amazes even me i had just finished playing with john hyatt and i'd been with john for about two years right and i decided okay i've had enough of being a side man i'm going to go back to la and and start another band and just do my own stuff you know i had a little money in the bank uh-huh and then right when I got home, about a week after, they called me to see, well, do you want to come and play with on this record, this band, The Wallflowers? It's you yep. know, Bob Dylan's son. And and I said, you know, I'm, I'm really busy right now, and I don't think I have time to do it, but thanks for the call. And, and I wasn't busy. I was sitting around, you know, sitting <laughs> up here or something. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and I hung up the <laughs> phone, and I thought, oh, why did I do that? You know, I mean, I was tired from working with someone for two years, yeah. but I thought uh-huh. I could have gone and played a session, you know? And... I guess that's what they want to hear in L.A. You, they want to hear you tell them you're, that you're not interested because weeks later my phone rang and they said, um, do you think you have any time now? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, maybe that's one of the secrets of success. Well, I've never repeated that because I'm always too scared to say no to a gig. But um, yeah. it seemed to work in that situation. So I went to the studio and uh-huh. we, they, were, they had finished tracking the record, and, and, but they just needed a bunch of guitar on it. And I started playing and T-Bone seemed to like what I was doing and I played on all the songs and... Mm-hmm. And T-Bone was really, really cool. And, and about the second day of the recording, uh, Jacob Dylan, the leader of the band, uh-huh. asked me if I would join the band p- permanently. And again, I said, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going to do my own thing, but thanks, man, <laughs> I'll help you find a guitar player and all this uh-huh. stuff. And, <laughs> and then they just kept after me until I finally joined. I, I can't believe how many times I tried to tempt fate and, and, like, not be in that band, the band that went on to be the most successful wow. band I've ever been in, you know. Hey, let's let's listen to another tune. This is called Sixth Avenue Heartache. Oh, yeah. This one's another Wallflowers hit. So here are some excerpts.
Well, I'm gonna That's I'm gonna so tell nice. you something here. I uh-huh. got I got I got to be honest with you. Uh-huh. That slide guitar stuff is actually Mike Campbell from Tom Petty's band. Oh, it is. And what happened is I showed up to play on the record that mm-hmm. we're talking about, yep. and they had that stuff done already, but they needed a bunch of guitars around it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the things of doing sessions, you know, you're, a lot of times, like you talk about just doing vibe and supply and that kind of thing, yeah. There was, uh, they were like, okay, we got this melody, the hook of the song and everything, but the rest of it is bare. So, uh-huh. you know, you kind of go, a lot of times you show up on a session, you're not the guy hitting the ball out of the park, you're kind mm-hmm. of more the support player, you know? Yep. And all the guitar in that tune is so tasty, so smooth. We got we got some lucky moments on that record. I think. <laughs> hey, I saw you play at the Grammys. Oh, you did! I remember th- being kind of nervous for you being up there in front of the zillions of people, you know. <laughs> but you don't look nervous at all. You know, look totally relaxed and cool. What was that like? Um, you know, in that band, we did so many of those kind of whether mm-hmm. it was like a VH1 show or MTV or Grammys or. There was a lot of cameras in front of our face all the time. Uh-huh. And, um, some of it was a little nerve-wracking, but yeah. uh, generally, you do those things. If it's a Grammys thing, man, you're playing one song. You've played it hundreds of times already, and uh-huh. it's such a rush of adrenaline. The curtain goes up, someone announces you, and you, you play your three-minute song, and, and really, by the time it's over is, is when you, you first start to get your breath and realize what's going on, and yeah. it's done, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> There's almost no time to get nervous in those uh, situations. I found... Perfectly Good Guitar, which oh, yes. which is a John Hyatt album, and this is the title cut, and, and I guess, are you playing the guitar on <clears> this that's, one? That's me wall to wall on that Okay, one. so here here is Perfectly Good Guitar, Michael Ward, playing with John Hyatt. You know, Michael, your lead your leads are great, but one of the things you do so good is those big, fat, you know, strumming kind of like power chords. That's well, thanks, slamming. Man. <laughs> I guess I guess um, I think I take a real pleasure in in just rocking those big chords and backing up the drums and the singer and the whole thing. You know, I get a, I think I get a real kick out of that. Hey, since this is Boss Tone Radio, are there any other Boss pedals you've used over the years? That... Well, the mainstay for me every night on stage is you know a bit of the. Uh, the silent assassin is the, uh, the tuner. TU2. The TU2. Yeah. Because, you know, that thing, I'm a tuning freak. And like I said, we're going we're gonna to have to... Yeah. I can't talk about guitar this much without talking about how Paul Hansen's role in my guitar playing. But 
Let's just say uh, yeah. <laughs> a wise teacher friend of mine at GIT really, really taught me the importance of being in tune at all times. And uh, you know, I wish I'd followed that advice hey, more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really turned me into like a real tuning fanatic. And uh, I mean, you can play whatever kind of music you want, and it can be punk rock or whatever, whatever. But none of it sounds right if it's not in tune. You know, you listen to the Sex Pistols; that mm-hmm. stuff's in tune. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least the guitars. Yeah, and. Anytime I get a little break in a song, if it's 10 seconds or something, boom, you'll see my foot hit that tuner, and I'll just kind of check the tuning. And the T2, yeah. I, I, you talk about the big chords and everything. I don't think anything sounds powerful right. and, and meaty if it's not in tune. You can hit the fattest chord in the world, and if it tweaks your ear because it's out of tune, it, it's just not happening. You know? That's probably the best advice besides playing in time. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the other <laughs> thing, right? I mean, yeah, those two. In tune and in time. Yeah. I mean, Listen to ACDC, man. That stuff is so on the money. Oh, yeah. It sounds awesome and raw and rocking, but, man, it is in tune, and it's just locked with everything, you know? Yeah, and that TU2, you just click it, turns off your guitar to the amp. Absolutely. And you can see and just tune, tune up. Do you use harmonics when you tune? Uh, I do sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times I'll tune specifically for the song. Like if, say, the next section's coming up mm-hmm. and I know I'm doing a lot of open chords, I'll tune that. Or if I'm playing chords higher up on the neck, you'll kind of check those little spots because, you know, the intonation is never really 100% on a guitar. So right. I do tend to hit little spots all over the neck and, and double-check that. Do you play, for example, an open E chord and then pick each note and check that they're in tune? Sure, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, dip- but harmonics are great, too, because they tend mm-hmm. to kind of cut through. A lot of times, guitars will pick up sympathetic vibrations on stage from For the other, other stuff, and you might not get a clean read, and the harmonics tend to be good. But that tuner, mm-hmm. I've probably got five or six of them in all my various little pedal boards and studio things all around. You the T2, like, yeah. Yeah, it's a great little unit. And I remember the first pedal I ever got, and I still have it, was the, you know, the old Boss Chorus? Oh, yeah. Is it the CE2? Yeah, the CE2. The blue one? Yeah. That thing, I mean, I'm sure I got it because I wanted to sound like Alex Lifeson circa moving pictures or something. Oh, uh, yeah. That thing is just still a great sounding chorus pedal, you know? And the new one we have, it's the CE5. Right. And they use this thing that Tech's called a bucket brigade type analog circuit. I don't really know what that means, but hmm. the CE5 is completely all analog. Really? Like the, the original CE2. Yeah, and they're just really a mainstay. I, and I'm surprised at how many people I talk to who play with those CE choruses. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus was a little bit of an 80s guilty pleasure sound, yeah. but man, you got to admit, it just sounds cool. You it know? does. Especially, <laughs> you know, clean stuff and it kind of it widens things up. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. There's Michael's tasty plane underneath us. Uh, this is the end of the second segment of this ninth edition of Boston Radio. So be sure to stay tuned for the third segment, and we're going to talk more to Michael Ward. 